Welcome to Hope Anchors. I'm Johnny. And I'm Sean. And together we want to share the hope that anchors the very core of who we are to all that Jesus is. Amen, brother. In Hebrews 6.19, it reads, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So we have been going through John's letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, we'll be going through them uh, in the future, but we are continuing through his first letter, which is five chapters long, and we're going to conclude that letter today. And uh, just so you know, what we end up doing with these conversations is sometimes we talk about what was spoken on a Sunday morning. So what you'll catch in these podcasts will be a Sunday morning message or a conversation between myself and Sean, and sometimes. Sean and I have those conversations on a Sunday morning as well. Sometimes. Yeah. And those are those are fun fun ways to, to preach when we get to, to tag team together. Uh, but this week was really focused in on a, a verse that I had grown up. Well, let me back up. When I first came to faith in Christ as a, as a teenager, the one of the first verses that I um, memorized was this whole idea about us having the assurance that we have salvation, that that God has rescued us. And uh, he says that, you know, uh, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. And so we really focused in on what it meant to have eternal life. And I talked about the fact that this wasn't just about the the length of our days that we would live forever and on and on into eternity, but it's actually something that we have right now. It's a quality of life that we can have right now. So that when John says that you have the son, you have life. And he's he's writing to readers who are still alive and telling them that if you have Jesus and you know that Jesus has you, that you have eternal life, you you hold it in your hands. It's almost like you own it, you possess it. It's yours. And so we really focused in on what it meant to, to live an eternal quality of life, to actually live eternity. You know, hopefully, you know, those of you, if you've put your faith in Jesus, that you are, you know, as John says, that you know that you will live forever, that you're going to live eternally. But the whole point from this past Sunday was that, are you living eternity? You know, is there, is there an eternal quality about your life that you are living right now? And so we're not going to go through all that. We're actually going to go through the the rest of the story. Yes. We're going to actually end. Begin with um, the end in mind. This first letter for John's first letter. We're going to end this. And I really, this is how we want to go today. I'm going to read you to way the way that John finishes this first letter. Hmm. Um, he doesn't just say, love John. He actually says, <laughs> uh, dear children. Now, remember what Johnny just got done talking about, about how if you have the son, you have God, you have this eternal life. And so John is going to sit here and just tell you this at the very end. Dear children. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Hmm. He's already laid the groundwork of everything that Jesus has done for you. He's laid the groundwork of how much God loves you and how you have this Holy Spirit that's in your heart right now that is dwelling in you, that takes up all this space in your life. Man, I'm getting goosebumps. Let's just think about this. <laughs> and here he's going to end this with a warning. Once again, he says, dear children, 
Yeah. Dear children, please listen to what I'm going to say. Listen to me. Please listen to me. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Don't get rid of that God's love in your heart. And we just went last week, talked about how we know God loves us, but we talked about, do you rely on God's love? Mm -hmm. And here he's telling you, please don't let anything that this world has to offer you to take place in your heart because God's love is what you need in there. One of John's partners in ministry was Paul, where um, he wrote a couple times that um, our bodies are temples of the Spirit of God. Our bodies are sanctuaries, temples, sacred spaces for the Holy Spirit. And John is warning his much-loved children to stay away from anything that would take the place of God in their hearts. That, that we need to see the very core of who we are. Sean and I talk a lot about the oh. core of who we are because this is all about hope anchoring in the soul, that we yep. have this hope as an anchor for the very core of who we are. So we, we spend some time, we, we guard, as Solomon said, that we would guard our hearts for it is the wellspring of life. Everything springs from, from what's going on inside of you and who sits on the throne of your very heart. Mm. And so some things are going to happen when you know that this loving, heavenly father sits on the throne of your heart that he lives deep inside of you so if we if we kind of be, begin with the end in mind just focused on what you know John's in a sense final warning is yeah. uh, here in this first letter that we would make sure that God remains first in our lives that God remains on the throne of our very hearts and when that happens, verse 13, you're going to know that you have an eternal life with God. Yeah. And you're going to have confidence that you can go to your heavenly father and talk to him about anything that is on your heart, anything that is going on in your mind. Mm. If you're confused about anything, you can go to God for it. If you need protection for anything, you can go to God for it. I mean, he just, he says that, you know, when we have this confidence, we can, we can come boldly to our heavenly father, you know, this father that we can know his love for us. We can rely on his love for us and that we can approach him and ask anything according to his will. And he hears us. I love the fact I, if you could memorize anything, it would just be those three words. He hears us. And, you know, and he hears us not just when we are just in this great relationship with him and we pray and, and everything else. He hears us when we're far away from him. Mm-hmm. He hears us when there is such a great distance because we have made choices that we probably shouldn't have made. He still hears us because, you know what, God's standing right next to you, but you just don't see him at that moment. But he hears you. You can whisper and he hears you if you allow him to stay in your heart. And it's amazing when we go through life how we'll lose that confidence because because of our own actions. Or maybe it might even be because of actions of others around us that has led us astray. But God still loves you. 
God will always love you. And it's when, whether we're far away from him or right next to him, we'll go back into last week's key word. Are you still relying on his love? Mm -hmm. I love that John immediately goes into a very specific prayer request. So, you know, a lot of times we think, uh, you know, and, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with taking anything that's going on in your life, in your world, uh, in your mind, in your heart to God. Um, but specifically, John says that if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. This new translation that I've been reading uh, recently, it says it this way. You might see a sacred family member walking in a broken way. I love that they translate sin as the broken way. Mm. But when you see a sacred family member walking in a broken way that does not end in death, you should pray and that person will be given life. And as long as the broken way does not end in death. You see, there is a broken way that ends with death. If that's so, then prayer is not going to help. All who do wrong walk in broken ways, but not all broken ways end in death. You know, it could be that there's someone who is just so broken um, that it does end up in their physical death. And uh, But John is saying, listen, you know, if there was ever a prayer that you could go to your Heavenly Father with, and you, and you can have confidence that he hears you, and you know for a fact that is that it, it is his will. It's someone being rescued from that broken way, and so you know, no matter, I, I would even I would even say, hey, pause the podcast for a moment, <laughs> and if anybody comes to your mind right now that's that's walking in that broken way, that you would pray for them, that you would pray that God would give them life, eternal life, yes. Forever kind of life, yes, but that eternal quality of life, that they would experience the life that Jesus was talking about in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and give it to the full, that I want to give you a rich and satisfying life, even now, no matter what you're going through, to, to be able to know that you can still have an eternal quality of life, no matter if if people have been taken away from you or things have been taken away from you or maybe your own health has been taken away from you, but that you can know and you can rely on the fact that God loves you and is there for you and he hears you. I'm really reading into this, that that, that whole prayer that you just said, I'm reading more and more into this. And, and it's kind of interesting the way John puts this about how he's you know, and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. And we're talking about those sins that lead to death. Because all wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. But what's really interesting here is Paul doesn't say, or John does not say that you should not pray for those that commit the sin. He's actually saying you cannot pray for them because he already has recognized the lack of certainty. I mean, it's almost as if, you know what, I'm not really sure if you can pray for these people that are committing these sins that are leading to death. And what leads to death is not, you know, and I'm not going to tell you what sins are worse than everything else. I'm just going to go by what Jesus says are the first two, the most important sins. <laughs> All right. Love your, love your father and love your neighbor. So apparently the sins that might lead to death is not loving your father not loving your neighbor. Hmm. All these other things that we talk about that are sinful ways and all this other stuff, 
they don't necessarily lead you to death the way that if you leave God and you want to join the Antichrist, that leads you to death. Mm-hmm. Which is a really kind of interesting how if you allow something else to enter into your heart, to take God's place in your heart, that is going to lead you to death, not to eternity, because God's love is what leads you to eternity. So if you're replacing God's love, so it's kind of interesting how he says, you know, there's certain things that lead to, you know, that are not going to lead you to death. And you can pray for those people. But those things, those people that are living in a way that leads to death, you can pray for them, but it's not really going to do much good for them. And it's kind of interesting the way that kind of plays out because you would think, but God knows these people. God knows what's in their heart. And if they're going to totally turn away from God, they know, he knows, that leads to death. John gives a definition of sin where he says in verse 17, all wrongdoing is sin. And, you know, sin can be doing what we should not do or what God has told us not to do. Sin can also be not doing what God has told us to do. It's 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 just as wrong for us to not do something God has told us to do as it is to do something that God has told us to do. Because what sin is, it's essentially a crime. It's it, you are you're um, breaking one of God's laws and crimes carry consequences. And sometimes those consequences are worse than others, but it's still a crime. Uh, we are, you know, no matter whether we, um, you know, like even even in our day where we can think of some crimes as being worse than others, uh, whether it's, you know, the crime of speeding. <clears throat> <laughs> I never do that. No. Um, or the crime of uh, committing murder. There, are, obviously, when we take a look at those, there are consequences to those crimes that um, are, um, you know, much much worse than than others. But in both of those cases, you're seen as a um, as someone who's gone against the laws of God. And all of us, Paul says, have sinned. All of us have fallen short. Well, of the glory of God. Well, Paul even says in Romans, you know, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I mean, that's just, here's somebody that's being very honest. I, I, I commit sins that I don't have. I have no desire to commit this. I have no desire to do the wrong thing, but I can't, I don't understand why I do this. And the things that I really need to do, the things that I need to follow God and in this path. And that's where I really want to go. I can't do that. Why is that? And here's, here's a man that says, I don't even understand this. How real is that? How comforting is that for you and I to be in this world today? And you know what? And we have said, we do not have all the answers. Mm. All right. God will reveal things to us, but here is somebody that's written almost two-thirds of the New Testament, mm-hmm. that still can say, I don't understand mm-hmm. why I do these things. And what's he, interesting is that, you know, here you have Paul confessing that those things that he wants to do, he doesn't do, and the things that he, st- he, he doesn't want to, <laughs> the yeah. things that he 
doesn't want to do, he still does. And those things that he wants to do, he doesn't. Um, and yet John says here in effort, you know, chapter five, verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. What? <laughs> but I think what, well, what he's talking about is the fact that, um, that you can have victory over sin. Yes. That you can find that even though there maybe let's let's just say that you've got a sin that you've you know you've committed and you keep going back to um, that you're going to end up doing that less because of this new birth because you are a brand new person yep. and that you're not going to continue in that that it's not going to be as serious you're not going to be doing it as long you know there is something about your life that is changing you are becoming a different person. What's really beautiful about this is this is where God's grace comes in so well. And just he's leaning into you, into your forgiveness, into your sinful ways that he's, and the more you get into this, you will find yourself the less that you're sinning because you're going to put yourself around other people that's going to keep you accountable for these things. God places people, his people around you to help you to assist you into living a better life, of living a life that Christ is centered around. And this is why he says, you know, for God's son holds them securely. Mm-hmm. He's holding them securely, even though they will continue to sin, but they don't want to practice the same sin. They don't want to live in that sin. Jesus is holding on to you securely. And the evil one, and this is the beautiful part, this is the amazing thing. If this doesn't give you confidence in living a life with Christ, nothing ever will. Hmm. Because it says the evil one cannot touch them. Yeah. Cannot touch them. What a that in itself lets me know it's okay if I make a mistake. Because Satan can't get me. Yeah. But I still have to rely on God to get me through these things. There are still battles that we have with our own sin nature, our own broken way of life. And there are battles that we face in this world. But there are also battles that we face uh, with a very real spiritual enemy. And we need to acknowledge that. But I think, you know, why John can say what he says about knowing that you can have eternal life when you're in Christ is this whole idea that Jesus keeps you safe and that the evil one cannot harm you. And he says, we know that we're children of God and that the whole world is under control of the evil one. This is why in an earlier chapter, John says, you know, don't love the world or anything that is in the world. You know, it's because the evil one has control over the value system of this world. And so there is a very real battle with spiritual forces of evil. You know, too many times we focus on flesh and blood enemies. Could be someone from another culture. Could be someone in the next room. Um, but we focus too much on flesh and blood enemies when we need to realize that there is a very spiritual battle happening, and that you know when Paul talks about that in in Ephesians chapter six, that there's an armor that we can put on that keeps us safe. This is why John is saying, "Listen, the evil one cannot hurt you, cannot harm you, and so just continue to stand in and on." 
God's promises. All right, Johnny, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. All right. I like to do this very seldom because we try not to do too much of this on this podcast, but you have said that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Mm -hmm. And yet earlier you say that we can have eternal life here today. Mm -hmm. How can we have eternal life on this world that the evil one controls. Well, what are you talking? Are you talking about the value system or you're talking about this planet? <laughs> ah, see, <laughs> and I think that sometimes that uh, we as listeners uh, might get confused with that. Yeah. Because it's like, wait a minute now, we're not supposed to love the world, but yet you say I can have eternal life here on earth mm-hmm. as I'm living right now. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's two different things. That means that the world's not in control or Satan's got control, but I'm going to have power over him. And, and I just, like I said, I'm just throwing you a curveball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, you know, when God's, when John had recorded, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that means humanity. You know, God loved humanity. Um, obviously, there's a creation that God created and he said that it was good. And so there is something wonderful about being able to go on a hike and enjoy nature and enjoy God's creation. But there is a there's a system, a, a value system that Satan um, has uh, leadership of. Mm. And we need to make sure that we going back to what John said in the, you know, the very last part of this, we got to make sure who, of who is sitting on the throne. It can't be Satan. It can't be us. It's got to be God. And then that's where you can experience that eternal kind of living in this life. Mm. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, you know, I, normally I do that to our special guests, but I normally don't <laughs> just do that to you. But uh, I, just, I just came across my mind. It was like, hey, all right, let's just go into that real quick. I really appreciate John's way of writing because he always kind of answers his own statements. He mm-hmm. gives us the reasons why and so much. And he continues this, and we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to go right back into the Holy Trinity. This is where we're going to talk about, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but this is where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And this understanding is is His Word. But we will never understand the Word if we don't allow that Holy Spirit to interpret it for us. If we're not in the Word, how will we ever understand what God is trying to tell us? And how do we understand the true God if we're not in His Word? Yeah, you, listen, you can't um, let... Either these times, whether you're listening to a podcast or watching someone else's teaching on a, a video online or, or even live, you can't. You have to make sure that you are in the Word personally as well. And I'd even encourage you to get together with at least one other person to partner with someone so that you can encourage each other's faith to grow in each other. You know, to grow in faith together. Uh, but you need to be in the Word so that you can. And I, I love this. I love that whole idea that Jesus came to give us understanding. Are you confused about anything? Go to Jesus to get understanding. Go to his word to get understanding. You know, the whole idea that Jesus, where he was telling his disciples to make disciples, is that they would teach others what Jesus taught and to have them follow what Jesus taught. You know, that that if you are, 
if you're misunderstanding anything, it could be relationships, it could be what's happening at work or at school, whatever it might be, but Jesus has come and has given us understanding so that we may know what's true and we may know the one who is true. And John says, we are in him, we're in the one who is true. And by being in Jesus, this is where we can live into that eternal kind of life. And this is the answer to the whole reason for this first letter. Yeah. Because he he wanted to tell us how much that God loved us. He was giving us the warnings about false prophets. He was giving us warnings about the Antichrist. Those people that just turned away, that said Christ was not real. And he sums it up. In that simple little thing of, and now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is just putting it right there saying, look, Jesus is the son of God. And we have fellowship with him. We then have the understanding he is the only true God. Mm. He is is eternal life. Yeah. This is the whole summation of this first letter to allow us to know we can live an eternal life here today as long as we have God in our heart and we have fellowship with him. And fellowship does not mean we get to go to church on Sunday, we listen to what, you know, awesome Johnny has to say mm-hmm. and then we go home. That's not fellowship with Jesus. Fellowship is a daily breaking of bread with him, that daily conversations. And this is why he ends this with, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Mm-hmm. It's like he's, he's laid that whole first letter out, and now he's begging you, please just allow God to stay and dwell in your heart. And that's really what we want to have happen for you is that you would truly anchor the very core of who you are to all Jesus is. That's really what we've been trying to do with this podcast as we've been teaching through the word together is that, you know, you would really know what it means to have hope in Jesus, that you would know where you can find hope for the next day, hope for the next hour. But just that, you know, anything that we would say and anything that's been written in Scripture, Paul once said in Romans 15, 4, that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. It's been our desire from the very beginning that you would have found some kind of encouragement as two friends are speaking into a couple microphones about their relationship with Jesus Christ and that you would find some hope in anchoring, tethering, connecting yourself to Jesus and to the life that he has for us. I hope you sit here and you ask this one important question. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Hmm. And this letter should answer that. Yeah. So folks, that is truly our purpose to give you something to anchor your hope to. Something that where you can answer that question of who is Jesus Christ to you. So please don't ever give up, keep looking up, and keep hope alive.